Hello everyone, I'm Earl Chanel and welcome to Success Shorts. Today I'll be speaking with David Meltzer. David is an absolute force and he's the co-founder of Sports One Marketing and he formerly served as the CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency. One of the things that I appreciate most about David is that he's taken his years of business, negotiating and networking and he's packaged that up into an incredibly intelligent and relatable perspective that he puts out there into the world to help others pursue their potential. And he even offers a free Friday training that I recently attended, and I had some really great takeaways, so I definitely encourage you to do the same. Needless to say, we have a really great chat, and I hope you enjoy this time with David. All right, let's go. David, I really want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. And before we kind of jump into things, you're in a really unique space doing what you do. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, how has this new COVID normal impacted you? And have you learned anything unique about yourself during this time? So I think it's impacted me like it has everyone else because a portion of my business is always based on the backdrop of mass gatherings. You know, not only was I... Uh, very, very involved in the biggest events in sports, the Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby, all the award shows like the ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys. But I also was involved with thousands of charitable events. And beyond that, just utilizing my own speaking career and all the different stages and travel. I was traveling 200 days a year and my life changed within a day. But luckily, uh, I had also built a digital platform. And all that I did was shift the skills, the knowledge, and my desire to the capabilities that were doing well during the pandemic, that were stabilized during the pandemic, and then just making preparations for the emotional rebound to the things that aren't doing well, like mass gathering, sporting events, award shows, and charitable events. Uh, using that strategy, I've been able to learn a tremendous amount. I've learned one about efficiencies and all the waste that I was creating in the traditional world by excessive expenses that were unnecessary. Uh, we talked about being busy. I believe in being accessible. Busy is someone that is not accessible. Being active and accessible is much better than being busy. I've learned how to be more productive, how to provide more value, how to be more accessible, but also how to access what I want in a better way. And of course, most importantly, great lessons about practicing ending fear, about being able to have a lens of gratitude to find the light, the love and the lessons and everything that I'm doing and being honest and humble about where I seek improvements. One of those areas is I have been lying to myself for years and years and years on spending an adequate amount of time with my children, uh, especially, and those teenage daughters I have. I have three of them, my 10-year-old son, but the three teenage daughters who were forced to be at home uh, with me over the last four or five months, the value of those family dinners to me. I could get invited today to go to the Masters, the Super Bowl. I don't care who they are, but if my three daughters want to have dinner with me at home, I'm staying home. That's the greatest lesson I've learned. I tell you, I mean, what you just said is music to my ears from the efficiencies and productivity and accessibility on the business side to just the additional care and compassion and wanting to be there for the kids. I think those are my big two takeaways too. Not necessarily to the level I wasn't traveling nearly as much as you were, 
but taking the negatives out of it for the time being and just focusing on the silver linings. So it's a really beautiful thing and to hear you say that and the appreciation you have for that time with them. I'm sure they feel it and it's wonderful to hear how genuine it comes through from you because I know you're feeling it. Before we dive deeper, I would like to just kind of take a few minutes and allow everyone to have an opportunity to get to know you a little bit. So we're going to have a little bit of fun and we're going to play the old uh, game, Two Truths and a Lie. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, ready. <laughs> All right, let's hear what you got. So number one, the movie Jerry Maguire was based off of me. Number two, I was born in the same hospital as LeBron James and Steph Curry. And number three, I was the CEO of the world's first smartphone company. All right. I think the Jerry Maguire one is true. Just going off of very cursory digging that I did on your background. And if you're from Northeast Ohio, I'm pretty psyched. So I'm hoping that the LeBron James, Steph Curry one is true because I know Del Curry played for the Cavs. So I think that's very possible. So I'm going to say that the CEO one, the last one is the lie. So you fell right into my trap and ah. I've heard this before. Yes, I was born in the same. I was born in Akron, Ohio. LeBron James and Steph Curry born in Akron General Hospital with me. Not with me, obviously, I'm older, <laughs> but same hospital, which means I'm destined to be the NBA commissioner someday. But the funny thing is everybody gives me credit for, for the movie Jerry Maguire. I was the CEO of the company that they made the movie about. Lee Steinberg is actually the person that they based the movie Jerry Maguire about. It's one of the most common fun things that I have. It's great PR for me. <laughs> uh, th this is a great part of this, and it's a lesson for everyone. My biggest difficulty of being CEO of Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment is I always felt as if I did all of the work, all of the negotiation, everything, and Lee would get all the credit. Like I would go through months of business meetings and he would walk into the conference room for the closing to sign the agreement. And everybody was like, oh my God, Lee Steinberg, he's a genius. Oh, right. I get no credit. So it's the way the universe works that. I actually am getting all the credit for the movie Jerry Maguire, but Lee deserves it. <laughs> you know what? Hey, uh, that's it works in mysterious ways, and I'm glad you're getting the credit. And I appreciate the story because. <laughs> but I, I was the CEO of the world's first smartphone. It's called the PC E phone, Samsung's first Windows CE device. Google it in 1999. We won Best of Comdex, and it, at that time, I thought that was going to be my entire career working in the phone industry, never would I have said to you at that time at 30 years old that I'd end up the CEO the most notable sports agency and be such a sports icon within the industry in 20 years. And I tell you, your background dazzles me. And the fact that you're from Northeast Ohio, which is where I'm from as well. I grew up uh, yeah. on the east side of Cleveland. So Swenson's, do you know what Swenson's is? They, they moved to Cleveland a little later. Oh, most definitely. I know my favorite hamburger in the world. I tell people yeah. it's ironic. My favorite deli is in Indianapolis. It's called Shapiro's and my favorite hamburgers in Northeast Ohio. It's called Swenson. Fantastic. Well, I like this little bond that we all of a sudden have. So as I was mentioning, like one of the things that dazzles me is that you have this ability to kind of survey and you go across different industries and you have a really robust background. So there's so many things that you could speak about with us. But when you think about what specific trait kind of defines you and success across your different avenues of life? So be it, you know, emotionally and spiritually or work related, what would you say is your defining trait? Kindness. Easy. Kindness. Kindness. That's the best one. Ah, and quite honestly, 
you're one of the first people to speak about this. And this is something that I try to instill in my kids every day. So I'm really excited that you've chosen to go down this road. I know on the surface level, it's very easy to kind of see kindness as being so important in life. But at what point did you realize that it was so much bigger than just being nice? And how did you continue to foster that as we kind of age and become a little bit more jaded and still kind of keep kindness at the forefront? So the first was the world that I grew up in Northeast Ohio of not enough, where I was a victim, that I felt everything happened to me. And even though everything was happening to me as a victim in a world, a very scarce world where there wasn't enough food, there wasn't enough money, wasn't enough cars, wasn't enough beds, you know, all of those places that I lived, I still was kind. And I knew the importance of people were kind to me. And then I moved and became a millionaire nine months out of law school. And I moved to the world of what I call just enough, where there was just enough for me. Buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like is the best way I can describe it. But once again, kindness was my guidepost. And I was still learning the lessons of how to deal with kindness. I believe the more I gave, the kinder I was, and the more I would receive because I was kind. But kindness went from being a shield into being a negotiation or a trade. I would be kind to get something, right? And so, you know, I'd give a down payment to a house or I'd be, everything was a negotiation or a trade. And until my wife and best friend and my dad and my mom kind of re-engineered this vision of the world of not enough to the world of just enough into this world that they always lived in, which was the world of more than enough, world of more than enough that blended not only the currency of money and object of energy that you put into the flow, but the currency of faith. And when I gained my faith that there was always going to be enough for me and everyone else, that's when kindness went from being a shield to protect me from a trade and a negotiation to get things into an abundant philosophy of everything that included gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration that I decided that no longer would I live in an ego-based consciousness. There was no need to be right, no need to be offended, no need to be superior, no need to be inferior, separate, no need to be angry, anxious, frustrated, angry, resentful, guilty. All those different needs could be replaced with one need, the need to be kind. And I'd rather be kind than any of those other things. And when I feel those other things, because I'm human and I'm a hypocrite, when I go down the wrong path of ego-based consciousness, when I accelerate my life in the wrong direction, I know one means to put me back on track. I know one means that allows me to be a ferocious Buddha to stop, drop, and roll into peace, into neutrality, and on to bigger, better, expanding, accelerating things. And that is kindness. That's really something. And I try to do the same thing with gratitude. And and you alluded to that. Whereas, you know, if I'm, if I'm going down a negative slope, I I try to make that my guidepost. And, you know, if you're my ex-wife and you're listening to this, she's probably thinking, what? (laughs) However, (laughs) however, where we're at now and after all the work that I've done, like that's to me, that's what I try to go back to because I was very negative and I was a bit skeptical and cynical. But like once I learned how to embrace that, that was a driving thing. And then kindness, I think they're, they're part and parcel in a way, you know, they really feed off of each other and, you know, just trying to live life through a kind lens, just because you don't agree with something doesn't mean you can't be kind to the person who's conveying it or whatever the example is, especially in this very heated social and political environment that we find ourselves in now, if we can navigate it through a lens of kindness, I think that could really go a long way. So you have this guidepost, it's at your core. So when you think about 
the way life has played out for you. You went from Lee Seinberg to creating your own agency. I believe you're partnered uh, in that with Warren Moon, which is really amazing. I remember how many times he beat the Browns <laughs> as I was growing up. But obviously you've had, I'm assuming along that road, there have been roadblocks. There have been some mountains that you had to climb. Can you think of some times when you've had to use kindness to help you push through to the ultimate success in those scenarios? Yeah, I think most recently yeah, building my TV show called Elevator Pitch, there was so many egos involved. There was the producer from Undercover Boss. There was the director from the Osbournes. There were the people that were the actual producers uh, with the studio. Then there were the partners from Piper Jaffrey's to the large magazine to the big carrier and sponsors and, you know, all these different parties with diverse interests. And I was the catalyst, the liaison between everyone trying to separate throughout their own scarcity and create an abundant opportunity that ended up, you know, five seasons of a very successful, highly impactful show called Elevator Pitch to help entrepreneurs, helping as well myself in the long run, building and accelerating my brand to a different level. But I used kindness as the true negotiation tool to look at the kindness, the light, the love, and the lessons in all the disparity and bring a unifying force to get the deal done. This has been one of the greatest mechanisms that I've used on an individual and a corporate basis to focus in on that lens of productivity and accessibility, but especially the cohesive bond that is created with the lens of kindness and gratitude, the light, the love, and the lessons and everything that we all share. When you head into a conversation around corporate success and all that, and you think about kindness, not that I don't think that it's necessarily difficult to find the link, but the way you just explained it, it's like, wow, without kindness, it would be so much harder to accomplish any of that. <laughs> it seems so simple, but it's like such a powerful aspect that I think a lot of us may underestimate when it comes to long-term sustainable success for ourselves in any pursuit in life. So I'd like to kind of just not necessarily change focus for a second, but just kind of go down a little bit of a path. So you're obviously in a very unique industry where you're representing a bunch of different clients doing a bunch of different things in a very public environment. And over the past half a year, we've gone through so much from everything that's happened with COVID and how that shaped our lives to the massive social unrest that took off after George Floyd passed away at the hands of the police officer. Now, obviously, a lot of athletes, a lot of public figures have very strong personalities. They're alphas and they want to be able to do something or say something in these spaces. What experience have you had during that time in working with them to help them navigate kind of this precarious and emotional time so that they can have the outcome that they want and have a voice, but also to make sure when it comes to who they are, that they're communicating it effectively and in the right way. I think it has to do with complete control. People are trying to understand things they can't control, which is always present in our lives. So what I have people do is understand and focus in on what they can't control. And the things that I have them focus in on is number one, their mindset, right? We can focus in on our mindset of how we perceive through gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration. Two, heart set. People ignore heart set. Heart set is how we feel. You have complete control of how you feel 
about things. I get into trouble all the time because people, whether they're millennials or my kids or my wife, they tell me that I hurt their feelings from the way that I've articulated my intent. And it's not what I say, it's what they hear. And I can't control the way they feel, but I can't control that. And it really bothers them when I tell them, you have control of your feelings, I don't, right? Whatever I said defines me as someone that would say that, but how you react and how you feel defines you. So I think that was a major thing to get people to understand, hey, you've got to take control of your heart set as well as your mindset, which a lot of people are talking about, the, the mindset side. And then, of course, take control of what you think, say, do, hear, especially here. So many people are hearing the wrong things. They're inundated. They keep the news on all day long. Well, you know, for me, there's certain stable data that I need from the news. I seek it once or twice a day. There's something called Google and it has a great search engine. You can seek the data that you need. You don't need 170,001 people died, 170,002 people died. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You've got to control what you think, say, do, believe, and hear. And so when we know that we take control of our mindset, our heart set, and that aggregate of those things they do here and say, we can take control, we feel in control, utilizing a lens of productivity, of taking advantage of what's doing well today, accessibility of helping others and receiving what we want. And of course, as we've mentioned a few times, kindness and gratitude. If you just have that mindset of finding the light, the love and the lessons and everything, look, there's a certain percentage that always suck. I've been around the biggest celebrities, athletes, entertainers, Everyone who everyone desires to be and oh, I wish I was so-and-so Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback. I wish I was him. No, his life has the same percentage of suck that yours does. He's just been able to look for the light, the love and the lessons in the suck and increase his spirit of excellence to reach and attain his potential. Such a mindful approach to it. <laughs> Finding the positivity in the suck, like you said, we all have the same percentage. It's what we do with it, how we approach it and how we let it impact us. I concur. It is, it is hard when coming to use the term heart set. It is hard to have that conversation with others because you're in a different space than they are. And sometimes it's a little bit difficult for them to hear what they don't want to hear. So it's something we should pursue and it's authentic. If we could just continue to try to work on how we communicate with, with our loved ones when we're trying to convey those things, I think that's, that's going to go a long way. So I want to kind of bring it back to a little bit about what you're doing with really helping others foster this sense of accomplishment and and go for whatever their goals are. And you do this through this Friday training that you offer and that you've been offering for quite some time that you used to do in the office and now you're bringing it to the masses. You know, what what is your goal with that and what does that look like? Yeah, so it's basically you just email me at david at dmelter.com or text me at 949-298-2905. And you can join every Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, or I replay it on my podcast and YouTube. So people are re-watching, you know, of course, just like Netflix, it can binge watch all this, the trainings. The idea of the training is this. I'm going to teach you pragmatic ways and spiritual ways, energetic ways to enjoy the consistent every day persistent without quit pursuit of your potential. 
I'm going to take you through a process of pragmatic and spiritual things that I've learned to make nothing into a possibility, a mathematical advantage, teach you how to make that possibility a probability in your life, which is another mathematical advantage, and then even take that probability and make it your reality or your perspective to the true success that you're looking for. I'm going to teach you that you may not be where you want today, but I'll teach you to angle towards where you do want to be and end up somewhere better. Basically, you're helping people lean into being successful in any part of their lives from work to personal development and emotional development and all that. That's, that's really something. And your experience, I, I can't imagine anyone better doing that. Um, so just to kind of bring it back to wrap things up a little bit. So we've been speaking about your pursuit of kindness and the way you deploy it in your life. And for those listening, they're going to be anywhere from in a really great mental state of mind and a great place emotionally and financially to someone who feels like things were kind of piling up and it seems a little bit hopeless. And to be kind is kind of tough because there is a little bit of not necessarily resentment or whatever else is kind of clouding that vision. How would you recommend to someone who has things a little bit heavier right now to take kindness and let that be their guidepost starting today? Great point. And people will tell me all the time, I'm anxious, depressed, or even suicidal. What's the one thing I can do? I said, beyond seeking professional help, what I always tell people is do good deeds. Do good deeds. It's not just helping someone else directly. Because a lot of people will tell me when they're depressed, they don't want to be around people. They want to go down to the homeless shelter and volunteer or the boys club or wherever it is. Well, let me just tell you this. Doing good deeds helps people. So if that means going and picking up trash, if it means putting uh, shopping carts back, if it means just looking for things to make better, being the, your own chief betterment officer in your life, uh, and it will better your situation by doing good deeds. I have a famous quote, my favorite quote, which is always, be kind to your future self, do good deeds. I have an opening for a chief betterment officer. So if you want to apply... Thank you. It's the best. I actually have one and his entire job, just so you know, is to walk around the office, talk to everyone to see how they can make their jobs better, goes in the bathroom, see how they can make the bathroom better, the hallways better, the carpet better, the doors better, entire employee. And that he is the most profitable of all my employees for me. That's fantastic. I love that, David. And I just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. This has been really great. You're amazing, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Please join me on Fridays, david at dmelter.com. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Most definitely. And that's all we have for this episode of Success Shorts. Hopefully you found today's topic useful. And remember, have fun, stay curious, and keep it short. <music>